Welcome to the comic truck. We're in a small room. The roof is off. The sun is coming up. And as it peaks to climax, Dave turns into nothing but ash. <laughs> this is Blake. I'm here with Amos and Uncle... What's your name? <laughs> Uncle Master... <laughs> Sequoia. My name Sequoia. is Sequoia. A.K.A. Master Uncle. Encyclopedia Black. And Encyclopedia Black, which is the best name ever. And we're here to talk about Batman Year One by Frank Miller and Dave... Mazzucelli. Mazzucelli. <laughs> A Mazzucelli. A Mazzucelli. To break the ice... If we were to pick a musical director for Batman Year One, or maybe an artist who created the soundtrack, who would that be for the tone of this book? My pick, Trent Reznor himself. A good pick. Um, this is an 80s book, but it has a very like early 90s feel to it. Um, and that just makes me think of Nine Inch Nails all over. What's the name of the guy that did Chariots of Fire? Vangelis. Yeah, I'm gonna go with him. Okay, that's good. Choice. Also did Blade Runner. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's very good. And but it's just it's the Chariots of Fire soundtrack. As he throws people off the The entire movie is slow mo to that song. This book takes place in the '80s, so I want to go with someone of that time period. Uh, the person I had in mind was Brian Eno. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really in yeah. Japan. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good. I would definitely, I would definitely take that. Yeah, that, I mean, my pick would be Giorgio Moroto just because uh, some of the stuff he was doing um, at that he did a lot of soundtracks at the time, and some of it was for some more horror stuff, in all honesty, but I mean, he's kind of the father of all synth music. I mean, he's, he's the OG. Giorgio Moroder is better than the trash you people listen to now. <laughs> you people. <laughs> well, did Moroder work on uh, Daft Punk's? He, yeah, he was on, he was on uh, Random Access Memories. Yeah. That was good. That was successful. Yep. Hey, let's talk about uh, Batman Year One. Batman Year One, a lot of people think of it as being like a singular graphic novel, but it was originally printed in 1986 and it ran in Batman issues 404 through 407. And um, this was Frank Miller reuniting with David Mazzuccelli, who he worked with previously on, uh, what was it, uh, Daredevil for Marvel Comics. But uh, Frank had been a Marvel guy for most of his early career and then he made the jump uh, after Daredevil to go work for DC when the opportunity came up to do uh, Dark Knight Returns which actually comes out uh, came out I think prior to year one oddly enough this is the whole thing with DC at the time they were trying to modernize and make more contemporary the origin stories for these characters and they decided that they wanted to stick with the overall theme and elements of you know Batman's uh, original origin, but they wanted to flesh it out more. So Miller decided to you know take this task on and try and uh, modernize you know Batman who he is and how he came to be as uh, 
It was famously written by Bob Kane. A lot of people always say that the whole version, the dark, modernized version of Batman starts with Frank Miller. And that isn't entirely true. That really goes back to earlier with Denny O'Neill and um, Neil Adams. That's where that really comes out. So they kind of... Uh, set the tone? Yeah, they set the tone as far as trying to do more serious crime stories with those characters. So Gordon was, you know, somewhat akin to how we see him now going back in, you know, Denny O'Neill's earlier iterations and stuff. But, you know, you're talking about the general sense of or knowledge, pop culture knowledge that people have. And I would think, you know, for me as a kid reading this, all I knew of Jim Gordon was based upon, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who played Commissioner Gordon In from the, the original TV Adam show, West yeah. TV show. Yeah, like, you know, just kind of uh, a silly, you know, doddering old man. Um, no offense to him, but... Um, and, 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 yeah. <laughs> but No offense taken. But, I mean, really, I mean, the book's called Batman Year One, but in all intents and purposes, it could also be called Jim Gordon Year One. Yeah, there's a lot of Jim. This story shows us Batman, Bruce Wayne returning to Gotham City from an 18-year hiatus, right? Yeah, they, they say in the book that he's 25 years old, uh, he's been gone for the last 12 years, okay. and I guess the whole incident when his parents being killed happened when he was seven, so he left at 13. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm assuming for boarding school or whatever, but as we know, to you know do his training, mm-hmm. you know his training to become Batman. And at the same time, Lieutenant James Gordon transfers to the police department at Gotham, um, and he's transferred. He's taken in because it seems like he might have done something in the past that could come back to haunt him, but Gotham elite is okay with that because they're corrupt. And Unbeknownst to him. Yeah. yeah. And what, what I read from it was like, let's bring in a corrupt cop because that means it's someone we can control, kind of, and he's kind of like us, so let's bring this guy in. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, it's not some... I guess they assume he's corrupt, but I... I you know, he's got a blemish, so they figure that they can kind of sway him. And they don't ever really go into any detail as to what the mistake was right. that Gordon committed to force him to leave Chicago. Um, you know, which is fine. I mean, it's just left up in the air. But he expressed a preference for New York-style pizza. Oh, right. <laughs> Gotham-style pizza. Not well, that yeah. is a foolish... What is what is Gotham? You know, Chicago's got you know pizza and uh, Chicago style hot dogs, and New York's got pizza and bagels and stuff like. What is what is Gotham known for? Sauerkraut, dank <laughs> <laughs> ass sauerkraut. God, I love Gotham uh, baked potatoes. Lots Gotham of Gotham yeah. twice lots baked of potatoes. New, yeah. Lots of newfangled drugs. It's like every comic book from Gotham is like. <laughs> and is it smoothies? Gotham is known for its smoothies. <laughs> Gotham is just technically like Midwestern. It's Chicago, right? Well, I want to say as of this time, this would have probably been when DC released its Atlas of the DC Universe, and I want to say Gotham is supposed to be Jersey. Metropolis was supposed to be Chicago, and then that changed, and Metropolis became Manhattan. Central City is supposed to be Chicago. Like literally Chicago because it's okay. in the middle of the country. Yeah, that's what about that's Green Arrows? Was... Starlight, Star Brand. What is it? Star, Star City. City. Star uh, City. LA? <laughs> no, no. I want to say well, Star City. I thought it was supposed to be the uh, Pacific Northwest. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like Seattle more. What, uh, where's Hal Jordan from? Coast City. That's Coast supposed City. to be San Diego. Okay. Coast City. Yeah. <laughs> 
got real Hi, creative. I'm human man. From <laughs> well, I mean, okay, if you go, if, but if you go back to like the actual old, like original, you know, DC comics, like you know, silver, golden age stuff. I mean, you know, Superman was in New York. You yeah, know, they didn't with a gun. It. Yeah, <laughs> those like super early ones. Where <laughs> yeah, he actually super, shot people. <laughs> For real, the, the cover of Detective Superman? Comics. No, no, Batman. Batman. Sorry, the cover of Detective Comics when he's like running across that construction beam, like shooting that guy yeah. with that bandit mask on. It's like I detect that you're dead. So Bruce Wayne, instead of dressing up like a bat at first, um, dresses up like he, he dresses up just like a thug, young thug, um, walking <laughs> down. Very, you know, you know, Pimp Avenue, whatever you want to call it, and well, that, that's one thing I'll point out. Like a lot of the landmarks and neighborhoods in Gotham City are named after previous artists and uh, for for Batman. Like you know, you have a uh, what uh, my favorite Goldfinger, uh, Jerry Rob- Robinson Park. I guess you know, it's supposed to be where all the drug addicts hang out. And, <laughs> you know, so the under he meets an underage prostitute named Holly Robinson. Named after one of the artists, is that what you're saying? No, no. <laughs> I'm just saying some of the, the names that they drop for the different areas in Gotham are named, and that still stands to this day. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Kane yeah. um, Lane is the most famous thing. <laughs> that scene where he's trying to figure out how to save or how to fight crime when crime is just a part of. It's like your job. I mean, there's there's so much crime. It's it's these people's jobs, and the prostitutes are fighting him when yeah. he's trying to save them. And it's just it's him trying to figure out how to save people the right way, and he's just failing at it miserably. Yeah, he's, he's figuring out what he what he's about, and I guess that's that's the piece that's always been interesting for me about Batman. Right, is that he's got kind of a and I, some some writers have played it up more than others. He's got kind of a fucked up sense of like what he believes is right, and this is like a kind of a really self centered view of what he believes should be right. right. He doesn't necessarily take into consideration what the people who are in the center of it think is where they would like to be and what should be happening. Right? It's his own you know center of morality where he sees things. Right? Because he stands at a place where he views like everything that's happened to him. Um, and then looks outward from there, and you've definitely seen that like carry on, and in some cases change a little over the years with the character. But this is like the epicenter of it, right? Him projecting his morality on the city around him. Well, and the way, but the way they portray Gotham, I mean, you don't necessarily. It's one of those things where you know the reader can't help but agree with him or Jim yeah. Gordon. Because you know, going back to Gordon arriving in Gotham, I mean, he gets a sense of how corrupt the police force is because. Yeah, was it a uh, Detective Flash? Uh, you know, who's his liaison? You know, when he comes into the Gotham Police Department, he witnesses him um, assaulting, you know, some some yeah. street youths hanging out on the corner and whatnot. So uh, you kind of get the idea that uh, Gordon sees his coming to Gotham as uh, him paying some penance and having to spend some time in hell. So you know. Gotham's a pretty de- terrible damn place, and mm-hmm. I like know. that you don't. The, I like that you're presented a horrible Gotham, and that you don't have to um, make the decision as a reader whether these superheroes or whether Batman's doing it for the right reason or just doing it for himself. I like that there's there's absolute bad guy in this. Well, you know, it's comic book logic, and 
I mean, the thing is with this stuff, I mean, people will talk about how realistic comic books have become and such and, you know, how they tackle real world issues. And that's that kind of is and kind of isn't true. I mean, they've changed and shifted tonally from what they used to be back in like the you know, 60s and such. Golden Silver Ages, yeah. Well, yeah. in the 80s, people were afraid of gangs, and they were afraid of, like, city violence. It's yeah. just not the same. That's not what kids are afraid of now. Now they're afraid of terrorists, and they're afraid. Right. So I think this was apt uh, for the time. I mean, this, yeah, yeah. this is what they were afraid of, and it was good. Um, I don't know if I love the reason he becomes Batman in this, though. So he gets beaten up, escapes from the cops after the whole pimp thing happens, mm, right? right. Crawl, like escapes, crawls back to the man. He gets arrested. Yep, and, and he, he breaks out. Breaks out, and he's like, "I gotta get back to the mansion so I can ring a bell and Alfred can save me." So he goes and does that, and then a bat flies through the window, which has always been. And then he's for like, the last seventy-five years, that has always been his the moment the of lightning moment. striking and him realizing, "Oh, that's my inspiration." Because before, I mean. When you, he starts off, you know that he's on a mission, and he's like, you know, my training's tight. I I can whip a wild horse's ass. You know, I can. <laughs> I I'm physically, you know, on point. But the thing is, how do I apply this to my mission? Yes, <laughs> Father, I shall become a bat. And that's where he gets his gimmick. Yeah, yeah. and that's straight out of Bob Kane. You know, I want to see that on his business card. My training's tight. I can whip a wild horse's ass. <laughs> I was, I was quoting Wesley Wills. I'm a man on a mission. Yes. Whoop a wild horse's ass. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, so I, I love, I mean, you know, otherwise we didn't have that moment. We wouldn't read, be reading Batman Year One. We'd just be you know, reading Bruce Wayne, you know, Vigilante, and, and that's the Wayne thing. Man. Wayne Man, yes. <laughs> he's a real person as well. He's, he is a real person. He's a great guy if you listen to this. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that, but that's the thing I like about it is that they stay true to a lot of that golden era stuff, but yet, you know, they threw in the modern sensibilities and they fleshed it out there. Because, I mean, Batman's origin, if you read it in Detective, well, actually, no, it doesn't even, it doesn't even appear in Detective 27. Because um, that was supposed to be the whole thing with that story was that you know it was a mystery. You didn't even know who Batman was. But much later, a few later issues on is where they tell his story, and it's like what two pages at best. Parents murdered. He goes home to find that a bat has flown through his window. Literally, from that day forward, origin stories are difficult. Yes, and I would much rather good not origin read stories them. are difficult. I just I don't always feel like I need to know personally. Origin stories can mess up comics. They can, but I mean, they, sorry, but they needed to yeah, tell he's this. He's one you don't need, but Batman is. Well, no, but see, but here's the thing, and this is the big difference: is is that you guys are reading this now. I read this when I was like ten or eleven, so to me, I didn't know any of this shit because I didn't have the internet and mm-hmm. I didn't have. Batman Begins or Batman the Animated Series. All I fucking had was Adam West. Shit, we're not that young. <laughs> Adam West and the Super Friends. And it's a difficult thing trying to recommend any of this stuff to someone now as opposed to, say, like a few years ago. Because the thing is, I I lent me and Dave's mutual friend, Mel, I lent him Dark Knight Returns and he enjoyed the book, but you know, he was kind of put off by how 
dated it was because it's so firmly rooted in the 80s yeah. and the whole nuclear scare and such. And I was like, you know what? I can understand why this isn't as revelatory to you now as it was to me because There's all you've ever known is dark Batman. Yeah. All, Batman to me was always corny. He had blue. He wore blue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like that's why this was such an earth-shattering book because Batman... I mean, granted, yes, I did mention the Denny O'Neill, but for a lot of people, this was their introduction to right. his character. So, like I said, the fact that they stayed true to the original 30s telling of his origin, but yet fleshing out. I mean, it's one of those things you have to kind of get over that kind of silly, those silly comic book superhero elements to get to the meat of the story. Because it's like, well, if Peter Parker doesn't get bitten by a radioactive spider... He's just what the hell is the point of Spider-Man? No, that's yeah. my point. Is it's I don't always feel like I need to know why a character, like all of the things that made a character a superhero. I'm okay with two sentences, three, three sentences that says, "My parents died. Now I want to fight crime." Well, there's no I motivation. Think, I was gonna say I think on a long enough timeline, if if there's a, a character that appears, you know, for like a, a six issue run, right, and let's say they're a villain and you get very base information on their backstory and then they're killed off, well, that's fine. You don't really need much more than that because that's about the length of which that you'll be interested in. But a character like Batman, who at this point had already garnered... 50 years. 50 years of, of books. I mean, like, it, he deserves the telling of an origin story. And I think, you know, um, was it you that just said that, you know, leaving Wolverine a mystery would have been just fine by you? I, I, I think that, I think that's fine. Um, well, and I, I disagree with that even to a certain extent because at some point you need to know, like, why does he keep doing this shit? Why well, he doesn't a, remember. Right, well, why doesn't he remember? Well, and you Wolverine's know. a different character in the sense that the mystery is the character. Right, yeah. You know, whereas, you know, with Batman... I mean, because the thing about year one, it set the precedent, not... You know, for everything that came after right. it, in terms of the types of comic book superhero movies we watch, or even like you know other comic books characters being created and such. I mean, it it tried to take something that was silly and uh, really um, what's the word I'm looking for? Brief or you know not very well developed, serial and episodic, and yeah, yeah, and, and try to flesh it out and take it as seriously as sure. possible. When was this first published? 87. 86. So now I'm trying to figure out, I guess my introduction to Batman was either the first Tim Burton movie or the animated series. Right. Uh, Probably some combination of this. And that's the thing. There's so much of this that, I mean, like reading this, you know, I was recalling at the same time uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman Begins and there is so much of this story yeah. Yeah. in that. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Gordon stuff gets left out because that's almost that's too bad. I like the Batman origin in this book but I almost like the Gordon stuff more. I right? absolutely do. Because there's a lot of, you know, like sense of loss and pathos and just fear. So let's let's talk a little bit about Gordon then. Right. So he um, he is cold a lot when he's in the car. <laughs> so he's always going somewhere, yes. and they're like, "Go do this." So he's in the car, and he gets a call from um, like his boss, Stan, um, uh, Commissioner Loeb. Okay, and there's a schizophrenic holding a child hostage, and is crazy violent, and they're trying to bring in the SWAT, and which are also a bunch of assholes. Which is a bunch of assholes, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, he knows that if that happens, dead, the kid's gonna be dead. Um, and so Gordon just 
mans up, walks in there, puts down his gun in front of the crazy guy, and is like, look, 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 look. And I'm, I'm thinking when I'm reading this that he's going to be like, look, look, let's talk this out, blah, blah, blah. No, like, he soul-crosses the, the dude and then saves the kid. And this happens over and over for this character, and I love it. You expect the cop who's going to um, kind of align with the bad guy and, you know, not... not Find a non-violent like he and he doesn't do that. Yeah. I really like that. Well, the thing they establish in this book, you know, like I said, that's another character whose background has never been really thoroughly fleshed out is Gordon. And in this, you know, they establish that he's married to a woman named Barbara, and they're expecting a child, and that's kind of left in the air as to the uh, who the baby, you know, till the end. They pretty much accept that Gordon, you know, along with being a, pre, a prior uh, Chicago police officer, he uh, uh, served in the military. And, I mean, Gordon, in a sense, is almost more of a badass in this book than Batman is because the thing is, like, and the thing is, you know, for anyone who reads this book, it starts, you know, in, what, December or January? And it goes, you know, like, month by month. So, you know, by this point when Gordon encounters the uh, the kidnapper or hostage taker or whatever um, it's been a couple of months and already it's established that Gordon isn't liked by his peers in the Gotham Police Department because the thing is they are so blatantly and nakedly corrupt and Gordon's like you know what you guys do what you do I'm not going to say anything I'm just here to do my job and they're starting to become suspicious of him because they realize he can't be broken like he's just that upright of a guy but the thing is, he he is he is so upfront about his his honesty, his you know being a good cop, and he wears that out in the open. You know, he doesn't have the riches that Bruce Wayne does. He doesn't have the gadgets or the training or the disguise or anything. So he is out in the open and like hated by the people who are supposed to be working with him. And the media love him. And the media love because of, yeah, because of this moment. And and because of that, tell us what happens to um, Gordon with with Fox. us. I can't remember, was it before or after? I thought it was before it's this. A, I story. think it happened before this, but it, the timeline I don't think it necessarily matters is that they try to break um, Gordon down by... Busted in. I don't know where it happened. He was in a parking deck. So it was a parking deck. Beat up with some bats. Flash yeah, and a bunch of their lackeys are masked up and beat the shit out of um, Commissioner Gordon. Well, he's not Lieutenant. Commissioner. Lieutenant Gordon, yeah. my bad. And uh, He's not playing that. No, but I mean, he does get his ass whooped a little bit. He does. But what is the tell? Like, Flash has some tell. He hears him laugh. He hears him laugh. He hears him chuckle, and so he knows it. Um, and he takes on four, four or five guys. Yeah. At the same time, pretty... Uh, he does all right, but he still gets whooped. Yeah, so, I mean, they beat him down. And, and such. he knows what he has to do. He So he follows all of these guys. They play poker, and they oh, yeah. wait for he waits for the last guy to leave, which is Flass. And follows him in his car. Follows him in his car. Smashes his car. Off the road. Off the road. Goes into a tree. Yes. And just beats the shit out of him. No, the best part about it is the whole time you see Gordon, he's got the baseball bat, and you figure he's going to use it on yeah, Flash. Yeah. But when they encounter each other, they both draw their guns, they both drop their guns, and then Gordon throws the bat at Flash. Basically, and the line is, I think, I give him a handicap or, or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so basically, yeah, he lets yeah. Flash have the bat to use against him, mm-hmm. and Gordon just whips his ass. And then... Strips him naked and handcuffs him. Because 
Flash isn't going to say anything about that. Right. He's going to make up, there's a bunch of people, what my ass, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't say anything about it, because nope. that's, the kind of, that's the kind of dude Gordon is. But that was him sending a message to in, in, to counteract Flash and Loeb's message that, you know, yeah. we don't like you being, um, you know, honest cop. He's like, well, fine. I don't I'm like not, you either. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to stop. I really like Gordon. I, no, he's yeah, great. He's awesome. So he's put up, he's at one point um, becomes the anti-Batman, head of the anti-Batman re- cop regime or whatever. And no one really cares about Batman at this point the, of the um, of the elite. Yeah, because Batman is just in there and he's taking out um, just lowly criminals, yeah. thugs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Gordon's like, no, this is not how you do it. This is wrong. And I want to do something about it. So him and his partner, whose name was Barbara? No, No. Detective Sarah Essen. Okay. His wife's name is Barbara, and this is... Sarah. Sarah Essen. Mm -hmm. Sarah Eat. That's what Essen means in German. Oh, really? Sarah Eats. Um, Anyways, anywho... um, Essen Das Pizza. Yeah. He's trying to get people to help out. No one really cares until Batman decides to break <coughs> into... Um, it's a dinner party being held by uh, Commissioner Loeb, a bunch of his you know, kind of wealthy elite friends, mm-hmm. and Carmine Falcone, who's was established as being the crime boss of Gotham City. And, and this is my absolute favorite scene and favorite line of this it. entire book. But basically, they're all sitting around having dinner and stuff, and they're talking about the problem with, uh, you know, making sure Jim Gordon doesn't uh, expose their corruptness. And basically, Batman, and, and this scene is, I think, very much inspired what Nolan did in Batman Begins with the whole, you know, theatricality yeah. being oh, Ninja's greatest weapon. But you see Batman having to, you know, it doesn't come so effortlessly for him, but he has to put on a production to get a message across. So yeah. he cuts the power to the mansion. He throws a smoke grenade into the room. He blows a hole through the door, I mean, through the wall, yeah. and then he has a floodlight, all to create the effect of this monster yeah, shadow right in this hole. And just fortunately, at that time, they're uh, they're being served like uh, was it cherries flambe or yeah. something like that. So he's backlit by the floodlight, and he's got the 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 flame from the flambe, you know, kind of underlighting him, and he just looks terrifying. But basically, he says to the elites that you know they have eaten Gotham's wealth, and that they've eaten Gotham's spirit, and from this moment on. That their feast is over, and from this moment on, none of them are safe. And just as he says that, he puts the lid on the flambe, and everything goes dark. Ladies, gentlemen, you have eaten well. Yep. Yeah. That is awesome. Super cool. And then, of course, um, Gordon's uh, Batman... Yeah, Loeb is like... Get on it. Take it's important. Out. It's Take important out. now. Batman Task Force. So he thinks uh, he thinks it's Harvey Dent, of course. Yeah, but it's not. He also has suspicions that it's Wayne as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I guess at one point he goes and talks to Wayne. Right? I think that's later. There. Yeah, he does, and he's he, he's the drunken playboy. He shows that up, and he's like, "Oh, but look at me! I'm <laughs> drunk. How could I possibly be a ninja?" <laughs> <laughs> 
That's how people talk in uh, in Gotham City. That's that's the dialect. And I guess well, the the third tertiary story in this book is like I said, half of this is about Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. The other half is about there's uh, a third half. Jim Gordon. Well, I mean, there are two equal halves. I mean, Gordon and Wayne. Yeah. But Sort of an incident, I shouldn't even say incidental, but there's a third story that kind of pops up. Yeah, it's uh, and that's Selena Kyle yeah, and her being inspired by oh, the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna take her to the house Batman. but steal these jewels. Yes, exactly. Basically, exactly. she because she fought a big pimp, you know, um, <laughs> to protect uh, what's her face, um, the, the younger girl, the underage girl, Holly. Holly. Yeah. And so she gets it in her mind after seeing Batman in action that she's gonna so do her other thing. What happens there is that Gordon loses control of his car or something. No, 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 no. So they have this, they're trying to set up sting operations to catch Batman. You okay. know, uh, they're trying to fake like you know some kind of uh, street attack or assault, and basically when, hoping in hopes that Batman will swoop in and they can catch him in the act. But there's an incident uh, with a out of control car. Batman saves some old homeless lady from being saved, yeah. and things got out of hand. He winds up getting shot yeah. in the leg and has to run and hide in an old abandoned building. And basically, the police team gets in. in the, yeah, yeah. And, and Gordon's kind of stuck on the whole thing. Like something about this seems wrong. That. Why are we going so hard after this guy who saved an old lady? Yeah, like this, and they end up killing a bunch of vagrants. Yeah, a bunch of vagrants. Swap take fire yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Right? And then is that where Catwoman's hanging out too? Yeah, she's nearby, like in one of the nearby tenements. Um, which in that scene when they introduce her, uh, I counted she had twelve cats at the time. <laughs> She's Which, already a crazy cat lady. A very young, a very, very young. young, sexy, crazy cat woman. <laughs> and we're introduced to the utility belt of Batman, and like he drops it. Yeah, and then so all he has left is like um, some darts he has in his boots, and then a whistle Boot picks. And then a whistle. He some, he, no, it's not a whistle. It's like uh, some this sonic device yeah, that, that, that basically calls out to bats. Which you know, like Nolan, and I hate to keep coming back to that, but. You know, sort of a common frame reference, but no one tries to incorporate this scene in Batman Begins, but it's done to such better effect in this book. Because that's one thing I'll say Frank Miller does well with Batman, and I feel like Zack Snyder's trying to do, but he's not very good at it either. But it's very, like, epic and almost operatic. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as, like, just the. I don't even know it's how to say this. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, it's 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 such a wonderful scene that just builds and builds and builds. Batman being trapped in this building, yeah. being hunted by the SWAT uh, the SWAT police, saves a cat, saves a cat. He's got no gear. He's got a minimal amount of gear and equipment, and he has to rely. And he's bleeding. He's bleeding yeah. out. He gets shot twice, right? Yeah, he gets shot the first time. He gets shot a second time. Um, saves the cat from getting shot. Jumps out the window just as all these bats show up. Steals a motorcycle. And yes. rides off in the bats. It rides yeah. off in the bats, but then takes a different route as the other cops are following the bats. Right. And then, like, all cartoony style, like, they drive off of, like, a wooden bridge into the water. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was great. awesome. Great. Maybe you shouldn't take bats. At that point, that's when Catwoman <laughs> become, like, decides to punch a pimp and then 
by Katsu. Yeah, she's like, I'm quitting. Yeah, I guess we didn't explain, like, you know, earlier that Catwoman is introduced in this story as being a prostitute. Yeah. Which, you know... She's introducing the scene where he fights the pimp early on. Right, right. right. Yeah. He's in his Travis Bickle disguise. Yes. Travis Bickle. I'm sorry, that's what he looks like. He's got he's playing a crazy old scarred up Vietnam vet. No, that's great. But um and just around around this time, um, Gordon starts having a, an affair with, with Sarah. his partner yeah. and starts arguing a lot with his pregnant wife. He doesn't so much have an affair. I mean the thing is that is written that he's obviously smitten by this woman and he's quite attracted to her. Well she shares a, she shares a lot of his you know, his gusto for wanting to, to do the right thing. And, and, and they're cops, they work yeah. closely together. I mean uh, I think that we're I think, and, I think that we're kind of giving him an excuse. Well he only kisses I, her, so is no, I think I, that I, I wouldn't think call implied, that an affair. No I think it's implied they have an affair. Really? Yeah. Like maybe they I always just kind of got that, like he felt like he was getting too close. I don't know, guys. But, I he, mean, if it's does, enough does, to be used against him with his wife, I think it's going to be a little bit more than he can. She still not understand, man. True that. <laughs> they nah. tried. We were at work, you know, kind of amped up from the job. We started kissing out. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. We just caught a bunch of perps. No, I'm just messing. I, in my opinion, they're having an affair. From what, from what I read, I don't know. <laughs> but he, when he comes clean later on, he doesn't say we had an affair. He's like, he, you know, he, he well, kind of yeah. describes to the extent that it was, and just that, you know, like, hey, you well, know. yeah. The thing is, it's brought so basically there are two instances where you know they they're caught being in not caught, but they're being indiscreet, and basically Loeb and a couple of other folks at. Uh, the GCPD, they bring it to Gordon's attention, basically to silence him. They're, they're trying to keep him in place, and they're saying, "Hey, we know about you messing around with this chick." And that's because he arrests Skeevers, right? Right. Something opens up. The major drug dealer in Gotham City uh, is caught and arrested. And then we find out that there is a link between Skeevers and Flass. Yes. And there's just. They need Gordon to shut up and be on board. But yet Harvey Dent is trying to build a case and such. And this is sort of where you get this triumvirate between Dent, Gordon, and Batman. Batman. Here are three guys who are trying to uphold the law, even though technically one of them is breaking it. Um, But Gordon, you know, in an effort to try and stay his uncorruptible self. He, you know, puts his wife in a tough position and pretty much says that, look, you know, this is what happened with me and this lady. You know, with if, this lady. <laughs> this is what with happened. Detective Essen. And, and she transfers, right? Essen transfers, uh, and uh, Barbara Gordon decides to stand by her man. Yeah. You know. Which is good. She has the she has a kid, it's a son. Yes. Right? They have a son. Um, and at this point, the trial is coming towards an end, and it looks like, what is the reason that Gordon, no, they, so they don't have any leverage against Gordon with the affair. Right. So. That's when they call in, uh, Carmine Falcone, aka the Roman, mm-hmm. and. 
he basically does. He he hires a hitman, correct, to go after his nephew. To go after which these characters, like I said, if you would like to continue these adventures, uh, <laughs> you can follow up in what was it, Batman Long Halloween and Batman Dark Victory. They yeah. show up again, but basically, yeah, uh, they hire some the mafia to. Uh, Kidnap Gordon's son, and I'll say at the time, you know, it's kind of an odd thing. I think for some folks that Barbara Gordon would give birth to a son because you know you figure, oh, Jim Gordon would have a daughter right, who would right. be Barbara Gordon who grows up to be Batgirl. But I guess Miller decided to do something different with that. But you know, something they retconned many, many, many years later. Then they they call him away to go do something. Right, they called Gordon away to go do something. Yes, and as he's being called away, he drives by some shady dude. He sees a car. Or first, he sees a motorcycle speeding to the parking lot of his apartment building, and he realizes that I'm being set up. Yeah, and um, he speeds back, and there's this whole shootout conflict in the parking deck. Basically, Gordon Gordon's uh, son is being kidnapped. And uh, he has to go chase after the kidnappers, yeah. and you find out the person on the motorcycle is actually Bruce. Because when he decides he's going to leap in action, uh, Alfred, you know, makes a statement, like, "Oh, Master Bruce, you know, going out to fight crime, and you shall be preparing your suit." And he's like, "Never in the daytime, Alfred," which I, I thought was a really funny line. That you yeah, know. but yeah, um, and this is another we're, we're giving we're giving Gordon who. At all times, I think he's going to do something else, but he doesn't. Like, he takes the shot. You know, he punches the guy with his, when his kid's trying to... Yeah. And then he's driving after, like, after the scuttle, the skirmish, if you will, yeah. um, in the parking deck. He's driving after a car that has his baby in it, and he's shooting at it. Well, he's shooting at the tires. He's trying to shoot at the tires. Still, your kid... I'm sorry, man. That's like that's crazy. When I saw that, I was like, "You're gonna shoot your kid," but he doesn't. He doesn't. You gonna shoot your kid? Well, I mean, you have to think like you know the mafia has my child. You know, (laughs) I don't know. Follow them. They're gonna stop. Mafia got my kid. I'm gonna shoot my kid. (laughs) Um, And then. I can't have him. He, he no fucks that car him. up real good. Oh, he does. He crashes he into the side of the Fucks that car up They're over this bridge, and then homeboy, like, stumbles out with his kid. Yeah, in his arm. And yeah. they, 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 he basically takes the kids out. Like, he's throwing his, his baby off his yeah, thing. Over the bridge. But luckily, but luckily, um, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce shows up on a bicycle because yeah. he got shot off his motorcycle. Back he's like, earlier. He, <laughs> he's on his tricycle. He's like, skip, skip, skip. He's actually going and he, I mean, he jumps off of the bridge to catch the baby, yeah. all bungee style. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. actually, those few panels um, surprised me, got to me much more than talking about it now. Like when I was reading it, I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, like, it was really well done. I, it was it was fantastic, and then. Gordon's like, I don't have my glasses on, so it's really difficult to see who you are, so you better leave. Yep. And basically, you get the ending for this story that's almost verbatim the ending of Batman Begins. And, you know, you find out that 
you know, they set off a chain reaction. Basically, Skeever's testified. He turned on Flass. Flass turns on Commissioner Loeb. Um, but, you know, Gordon says that none of the charges are going to stick. But basically, he Loeb is considering retirement and that they're going to issue in someone else to be commissioner who's probably just as corrupt as Loeb. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, now And now the, there's a mafia war going on between uh, the Roman Falcone and his sister because I guess uh, the hitman they had hired was the Roman's nephew mm-hmm. and he tried to kill him after things went south with the whole kidnapping failure and um, Gordon gets promoted from uh, Lord was he he was what he started lieutenant. as lieutenant and he became was it detective no captain captain, 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 Gordon. captain Gordon yeah right mm-hmm. and uh, you captain see him Gordon. lighting up a pipe standing on the rooftop of what I'm assuming is the GCPD mm-hmm. and he's saying that uh Joker. Yeah. Someone's threatened to poison the reservoir and yeah. he's going by the name of the Joker and luckily I have a friend on that matter. And the last panel is Batman leaping, you know, to the foreground, lit up by the bat signal. And it's just such an awesome, beautiful image. It is. What a fantastic book. Yeah. I mean this to me easily one of the best Batman books that I've ever read. I mean, Frank Miller basically has the monopoly of the best Batman books. I mean, there, there's a lot of really great like Batman stories, uh, but I think he's probably been able to get to the heart of what people find the most the most appealing version of the character. Right. This could have been so much longer, and it wasn't, and that's Didn't what made it great. It, well, I mean, that was a, this was the time before you know everyone got stuck on the whole six issue format for telling a complete comic yeah. book story. You know, you took the amount of time you needed. To tell a three story issues, within, seven issues, yeah, whatever, just yeah. whatever. And I mean, it was four issues. It ran in the um, the regular the actual yeah, title, yeah. Batman. And um, you know, like I said, most people now that is they purchase it, they get it in graphic graphic novel format. But it's such a it's a quick read. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's so satisfying. And I guess the thing I kind of hate because, like I said, so many people go on and on and on and on about Dark Knight Returns. Which don't get me wrong, that's a great book. But it's like. If you like Dark Knight Returns, like, have you read Batman Year One? Because, I mean, you know, like I said, it's a one-two punch. you got to read them both, in my opinion. To understand the, the Alpha and the Omega of this exactly, character. Exactly. So, so here's my question uh, for the group. Is there anything that you'd change? If you had creative control over this and you were telling the story yourself, right? Because then we'd all agree that it's... I mean, flawless isn't the right word for it, but it's solid. It's solid as hell. Uh, you know, if you could change anything about it, what would you change and why? The Catwoman is a prostitute thing. I wasn't too too happy about. Yeah, Frank Miller's never really did a good job of portraying female characters. I mean, you know. I have, I mean, it definitely. I, there were no. I didn't feel like there were any like strong female protagonists at all. Yeah, I mean, you want to say I would want to say Essen, but I mean, really, she's just there to be. But she's a homebreaker. Yeah, she's a homebreaker. <laughs> no, she's she's just a tool. And then I don't know, Barbara. She's kind of a, she's kind of the put upon wife. Yeah. You know, she has to suffer so much crap living with Jim. So I don't know. I mean, the only thing I really say you could do different is slap two more issues onto this. 
But I mean, like I said, that's such a modern thing to do, yeah. and I don't know if I would want to go back and do that. No, I mean, I, I like the brevity of it. I'd say, if anything, I feel like this would have been, and you touched on this a little bit ago, um, I probably would have maybe eschewed the Catwoman stuff in favor of a little bit greater emphasis on Harvey and how the three of them come yes. in tackling the exact same issue from very different places. Because mm-hmm. each one of them has a different social standing, right? Each one of them has a very different background. Um, you know, Bruce Wayne is basically squeaky clean and wants to put himself in the middle of the shit. Gordon is in the middle of the shit and starts to come out looking squeaky clean mm-hmm. and dents in a place of political power so his hands are tied as to how much he can actually do. Like, that's a very interesting, for me, like triangle of how mm-hmm. those three people can work together. And I've always really enjoyed the relationship that Gordon and, and Wayne have. Seeing Dent in the middle of that would probably be, be just as interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, if, say if somebody was... You know, if I was editor editor for DC and Frank Miller and David Mazzucelli were coming to me now and saying, we want to do this, like my bright idea would be like, okay, well, if it's called Batman Year One, let's make it an actual year. Yeah. You know, worth of Batman comics. Because, um, I mean, I do like that whole chronological flow of this that you go from season to season. Like a 24, for instance. Each yeah. issue is a month. Right, exactly. Um, but like I said, I, I mean, I love this thing for what it is. Because, you know, I remember at the time... I'll say it was like 88 was when I read this and this was in lieu of the Tim Burton Batman movie and I was like a lot of people that year like I saw that trailer and I was like I've got fucking Batman fever but I also remember um, Batmania yeah Batmania <laughs> and you know I remember like my one of my school teachers introduced me to Dark Knight Returns I was like I gotta read this and I mean I remember going to all calling up you know a whole bunch of comic book stores and bookstores and stuff trying to find a copy of it and nobody had it and I managed to find a Walden book and they're like we don't have Dark Knight Returns but we do have Batman Year One so that was like my introduction to the modern Batman and I, I got that I think it's a perfect comic book yeah I, I, I think so too I mean you know and, and like I said uh, it's such a weird thing you know reading all of Miller's stuff and even right now you know reading his his uh, current stuff with Azarello the Dark Knight 3 you know it's like it's better than Dark Knight Strikes Again but still it's like man you 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 know between year one and dark night it's like you fucking knocked it out of the park twice you know why why continue yeah I, I don't know how what he could have improved on upon with that but I guess the other thing I like about year one is that it feels you know even though it's part of the larger DC universe like they mentioned Superman once and they don't yeah. mention him by name I mean it's you know, when Gordon's getting massaged by his wife and she makes the comment, you know, you don't have to go to Metropolis for a man to steal. But then it felt like nobody existed in this world yeah. but Batman or... Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, they do mention the second time because Alfred talks about Batman taking up flying like that fellow in Metropolis. Yeah. But yeah, you feel like he's kind of in his own world and stuff. And I guess reading this for me, again, was a trip down memory lane about, you know, the first time I read this as a kid. And, you know... I, just picking up on all the stuff that's been influenced by this story. I mean, Tim Burton's Batman, you know, Chris Nolan's Batman Begins, and hell, even, you know, the Gotham series, even though that's kind of an uneven quality, mm-hmm. um, there's so much that comes out of this. Even as even not looking at it as a Batman comic and just looking at the pacing of the story mm-hmm. and the arc 
and seeing Bruce Wayne become a little bit more comfortable as Batman, seeing... Which become the Batman, period. I mean, Yeah, like, I mean, it, it was really just well-crafted. And that's why, for me, out of our list of stuff that we have reviewed, yeah. this is easily my the best comic of the ones that we've we've gone over. I would say, yeah, I would I would throw this up in number one because I mean it's this is I mean this is one of those this is a classic right? It'd be like right. if we had read a whole bunch of like modern novels and then it turned around and read like Moby Dick. I mean like of course this goes at number one. Yeah. Um, because again, I mean of its incredibly influential status and, and the things that it introduced and that you still see in almost every iteration of the character we have in the modern day. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like this was the... Well, and you mentioned some, a, a few of the older titles that had kind of started this push, but like this is really like the, the switch from Silver Age to Modern Age of Batman. Like, this is what really, really pushed the character on the trajectory that it's been on for the past 30 years. Um, and it helped to change comics into being what we yeah. know them as right now. The same way that, that uh, the death of Superman did that for the wrong reason. Yes. And then, as many great bands and great books have uh, they have their bright and their dark side right there's a lot of bad comics that were written that were trying to emulate this yeah it was very like the killing joke well hell not even you know also it's not even well I no killing joke's not a bad book I like killing joke no uh, killing joke it's I don't really fucking care. really Sorry. Oh my lord. Oh my god. So we have to have a whole other conversation on. I just I, the the, uh, the portrayal of women in that comic book and like the like people just being used as literary devices for things and then I don't know. No, I mean you got a point there because I mean you know what happens to Barbara Gordon and Alan Moore always said that he regretted. He regretted that. But, I mean, you know, there you go. There's two books by Alan Moore and two books by Frank Miller that really influenced the tone of comic books. But there's a lot of shitty stuff that kind of came after. They tried to Dark Knight, Watchmen, everything in DC. Because I remember, you know, like they did it with The Question. They kind of did it with Green Arrow. Uh, they tried to do it with Green Lantern. They tried to make everything just edgy yeah, and dark. dark. And it doesn't work for everybody. It works with Batman because that's, 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 that's noir. I mean, yeah. like, it's... it's it's at its best when it's that. So, my, I guess one more question I've got on it, just for the entire group, is something that I began thinking about. Again, just as, you know, I've read this multiple times throughout my life at different stages, and it's obvious, it's meant some different things to me at different, at different points. Uh, but one of the things I was thinking about was, I mean, in, in a lot of people's minds, right, you can see the parallels between Batman and Daredevil, right? But for most people, Batman is primary, Daredevil is, is at best, Secondary and in some cases tertiary, right? Like it's it's a few rungs down, um, but a lot of our modern Batman is from this this telling of it, right? Which was fresh on the heels of Miller's work on Daredevil. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, we have a Daredevil Batman as our yeah. modern Batman. Um, thoughts on that? I mean, that's you know. Well, I mean, you said. I mean, you just said it. I mean, he he went straight from writing Daredevil to writing Batman, and you know that was the thing he, inter- he injected into his writing of Daredevil. like you know he was living in New York, in and he was living there during yeah. New York when it was a very shitty place to Point be. Point like, street gangs. Yeah, it was like Death Wish. So I mean, he just took that and incorporated it over into Batman, and 
you know, it it, it, really, it really worked. It's not anything like Death Wish because Death Wish like is surprisingly like a really really happy movie. Like we go back and watch it now, it's not gritty at all. Yeah, but um, yeah, because I mean the thing is, Daredevil's nothing like that prior to to Miller. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, it's yeah, it's very much a direct correlation. But like I said, you know, he just finished. He worked yeah. with Mazzuccelli last on Daredevil: Born Again, which. If none of you guys oh, have yeah. ever read that, I mean, like, you know, read Year One, read Dark Knight Returns, and then go and read Daredevil uh, Born Again, because I always feel like, even though they're two different characters, like, Born Again is sort of the story that fits in the middle. It's almost, I think Born Again is to Daredevil what, what Year One, or actually Dark Knight Returns is to Batman. Yeah. But I think it was, you know, this is a great book. It's definitely number one on our list so far. And uh, any last words, Amos, Sequoia, Dave, other than it was fantastic? Fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. I read mean, it if you haven't read it. It's totally worth your time. All right. Well, from uh, us to you, Internet, we appreciate your time. And don't quote me on anything that I say on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Goodbye.